with you. Let us pray. Oh God, show us in your word what it means to be your people. And then may your spirit guide us and push us to be those people. Amen. I guess that most of us would agree that being a Christian makes our lives easier. Better in the, in the sense of knowing, for instance, that God goes with us in all the times of life, in the good times and in the hard times. Trusting in God's promises of eternal life, even as we begin to live out that eternal life in the here and now. We also recognize that God is the source of all the blessings of life. Well, speaking of God and blessings, I came across an article this past week in a, in a journal called Christianity Today, and it dealt with the question of whether or not God wants us as Christians to prosper financially. There was a poll taken, and this was kind of the results of the poll and some observations from it. And here's how that article begins. For some Americans, dropping a check into the offering plate at church is a bit like having a Discover card. Both offer a cash-back bonus. About a third of Protestant churchgoers say their congregation teaches that God will bless them if they donate money. Two-thirds say God wants them to prosper. One in four say they have to do something for God to receive material blessings in return. Do something like give a, a tithe or give some something, and then if you give that some something, God's going to bring it back to you in multitudes. Here's another quote. 69% of those who are polled agree with the statement, God wants me to prosper financially. 20% disagree. 10% aren't sure. The more people go to church, the more likely they are to think that God wants them to do well. Among those who attend at least once a week, 71% say that God wants them to prosper financially. Now that drops to 56% for those who go to church once or twice a month. God wants us to be rich, it sounds like this article is saying, and that's what many Christians think. But what if our Christian faith calls us to something other than that? Something other than a life of financial success, not that that's bad in and of itself. But not only that, what if rather than our faith making us financially successful and easier, what if our faith calls us in ways that might make life harder and not always easier? The text this morning that Tim read is a prayer from the Apostle Paul. Paul's writing this letter to the, perhaps the church of Ephesus. If it's not the church of Ephesus, it's a group of churches surrounding that area. They're in modern-day Turkey. The text begins, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. What is the reason that Paul is talking about? 
Paul is writing this letter from jail, probably from Rome, most scholars seem to think. He's in prison. He's faced sufferings. And the reason why he has faced those sufferings is because of his faith in Christ. If you know anything about Paul, Paul began as one of the leaders in trying to stomp out the Christians. He was going to arrest several of them one day. And he was on the road to Damascus and there was a bright light and and a voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that began the turnaround of his life. So soon he became not the one who wanted to persecute the Christians, but instead spoke up in ways that soon he would be the one that was going to be persecuted. Paul, who was a leading among the Jewish leadership, began to say things like that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. And even harder for the religious leaders to deal with, Paul said that God has now made Gentiles and Jews one. And I got him in trouble. If you ever read the book of Acts, you'll see that whenever possible, the leaders of the synagogue would try to have Paul arrested. Actually, they would just beat the tar out of him if they couldn't get him arrested. And all of that because... He was following Jesus. And as he writes this letter, he's in prison. And earlier in the chapter 3, he says that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And and then the first, right before our verse today, said this, I pray, therefore, because I'm in jail, that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. I pray that you might not lose heart, Paul says. I used to think when I read that verse that Paul is trying to encourage the church there not to worry so much about Paul. And I think that's an element of truth there because Paul had helped start these churches. They had a great concern for him. But I also think, like most of us, thinking about themselves too. Maybe not just worrying about Paul. Maybe the church folks are worrying even more about their own selves. Maybe they're thinking, well, here's Paul. Paul's one of the leaders of this church, this Christian stuff, and he's sitting in jail because of the faith that he has. And then, of course, I'm sure they also remembered what happened to Jesus, that Jesus was killed because he trusted God to lead him to. In other words, it was Jesus' faith that led him being killed on a cross, and now Paul's faith has gotten him into prison. I wonder something. I wonder, as these folks in Ephesus are reading about Paul being in prison for proclaiming a Christ who was put on a cross, I wonder if the church that Paul is writing to is now starting to ask themselves if following this Jesus is really the way to go. I think these church folks aren't wrestling at all with the idea that God wants to make them rich. And I don't think their focus is just on sitting around waiting for God to come and take them up to heaven. I don't think they're just sitting around waiting for the roll to be called up yonder. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. No, I think their focus is wondering whether or not this idea of faith in God is worth it. 
I mean, just look what happened to Jesus. Look what happened to Paul. But it's not only what happens to Paul, it's also that the life that this church is being called to live. The rest of the times uh, that I'll be preaching from Ephesians, which I don't know how many weeks that's going to be, two or three or four or 50, who knows. We're going to see how hard the call that Paul makes toward the church is. It seems in that church there's a great divide between the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And that's a great divide that had been around for centuries. And now Paul is telling them that they are to be one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body. That's a lot easier to say than to actually do. Another time we're going to read that Paul is going to call the church away from doing things, from practices like being bitter and angry, and instead to embrace one another with kindness and forgiveness. Again, that's really easy to say, but not easy to do. You see, this stuff is hard, this living out the faith of Christ, because following in the way of Christ is not always easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't easy for Paul. He's sitting there in prison. It's not easy for this church in Ephesus. And I would bet that folks in that church are scratching their head and wondering, do we want to follow a God who leads his followers to prison, to a cross? I think that's an honest question for all of us to wrestle with. I think it's much better than asking a question wondering how rich God is going to make us. And I think it's a, a better question than asking about, than, than not worrying about anything at all, knowing that heaven awaits us someday. And I think it's a better question to ask rather than turning away from the way of Jesus and instead acting in ways that the world would embrace us for acting. Ranging in ways such as indifference to the needs of those outside of me and my own. Instead of embracing the practices of racism and materialism and violence that surrounds us. Is seeing the world with the eyes of us versus them. In the face of this wrestling with this question, Paul gets down on his knees and prays. He prays for this church who's been wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus. And in this prayer, he doesn't pray that the hard go away. He doesn't pray that God get rid of that. It's part of following. And Paul doesn't pray that the followers of Jesus will get rich. Instead... Paul prays for strength. Strength in the inner being, he says. And it's a strength that comes not from within themselves, but with the power through God's Spirit. Paul prays for, through faith that, that Christ might dwell in your hearts. This strength, this power, this faith comes from as you are being rooted and grounded in love. This faith that Paul prays for, this strength that Paul prays for the people is a strength that is rooted in love. And that word love is the word agape. Agape is the kind of love that is the unconditional love. It's the love that God has for us. 
that never gives up, that never quits, that never sees people as different, but that God embraces all and embraces all always. And Paul prays that we would be grounded in that love and being rooted in such love, the strength to carry on in faith will continue. And let's remember, when Paul says you in this thing, he's not talking about the singular you. It's the plural. It's, as I've said, it's not y'all. It's all y'all. All y'all is the community of faith. And by extension, God mean, or Paul means you to mean all of God's loved children. And then he does something I found interesting. And I love these phrases that are going to come up here. He speaks of all y'all having the power to comprehend something. And the thing that he will say to the power to comprehend, later on in that same sentence, Paul will say that you can't really comprehend it. Understanding something that you'll never understand. Here's what he says. He says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul prays that the church will have the strength, the power, and the faith to embrace a love that they will never be able to really understand because it's a love from God. It's a love that is God. And Paul prays that as they embrace that love, that they will be filled with the fullness of God. I think Paul recognizes how hard it is for the church, for us, to follow in the way of Jesus. He knew it himself through his suffering. So now he's sitting there in prison. And he knows it's for others who would follow. Because following the way of Jesus will lead us in ways that we may not want to go. The way of Jesus leads us toward the way of agape love when we would rather choose to do anything but practice such love. The way of Jesus will call us away from indifference toward the other and instead to embrace the other as a fellow loved child of God. The way of Jesus won't let us just stand idly by while there are people who are suffering and hurting. The way of Jesus won't let us say, well, that's not my responsibility. I don't have anything to do with that. I can't get involved with that. God won't let us do that when people are being treated unjustly and are being judged by the color of their skin or where they come from or how they vote or whether they're gay or straight or whether they're citizens or aliens. God's not going to let us just ignore that. Last week I went to a church. It's my home church and it's moved. And um, I love many of the people in there, but it's a whole lot different place than where I am and where I, they used to be, I think. Because in this new church, they don't have a communion table. And my best friend is one of the ministers there. And I asked him, I said, James, why don't y'all have a communion table? I mean, it's a, it's a Christian church. He said, well, the powers that be, and that's not him, decided that, that the communion table makes people feel uncomfortable. 
course, they did have a cross, and I, he would have think I was being a smart aleck, but I wanted to say, well, James, y'all have a cross, and you know, that cross isn't just Jesus' cross. That's a reminder that we are called to carry the cross. But it didn't have a communion table because the wisdom is that people might feel uncomfortable, and they, you know, they don't know Jesus, so we want to kind of introduce it to them slowly Something like that. He didn't say that, but it had me scratching my head. I scratched my head because I really don't think God cares if we're rich or not. I think if God, if, if we end up rich, God wants us to give away a whole lot more than we probably would ever want to. I think God's goal for us is to be a people who embrace and practice agape love. And there's no two better symbols of agape love than the cross in the table. And the more we practice the love that we embrace around the cross and at the table, the more we will experience that same love. It's not easy, but when we love as God loves, we begin to see, as Paul said, a little bit more of the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love for us, a love that we'll never really understand because it's too great. But thanks be to God for that love. Amen.